0: That's awesome. Well, I want us to read our scripture text this morning. I'm going to read it out loud. Would you stand with me and look at the screen? It's a, it's a difficult passage today, and I want us just to read it first, and then we'll study it. So look on one of the screens, if you would, and I'm going to read for us from Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of the miracles had been performed because they did not repent. And we're going to talk about what repentance means in a few minutes. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago and sat sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. In other words, this isn't going to go well, right? This, is not a good, this isn't this going to happen too good. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No. You will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it would be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father, No one knows the Son except the Father, no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, and take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Jesus says there's rest for your souls. Now, I don't know how restful you are. Did you stay up and watch UF beat Kentucky last night? Did you stay up and watch football last night? Any Kentucky fans in the room? We'll forgive you. Well, there's there's this church. There's grace and mercy. Tennessee volunteers finally won a good game last night. They won decisively. The Colts are going to win the Super Bowl. They just have a long way to go after losing last week to the Bucs. It's just this one way to go from here. Well, I don't know if you stayed up and watched football, but I don't know, and I don't know how well you sleep, but Jesus talks about rest. He talks about rest for your souls. Now, if you ask about seven out of ten people, how are you doing? Most people, seven out of ten will say, gosh, I'm busy. I'm so busy. We're just spending. We're so busy. And you ask those same seven out of ten people, how do you feel? And they will say, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I feel exhausted and tired. Now, You can do that the rest of your life and be that way, or you can follow what Jesus says today, and today Jesus will give you rest for your soul. And so this isn't about the church. Whether you do this or not, the church is going to be fine. The church is going to grow. The church is going to expand all over the world. This is really about you today. This is about whether or not you will choose to find rest In your soul. And Jesus today offers you a strategy on how to do that. Now, here are 10 things that happen when you don't sleep well. All right, here's sleeplessness today. These are the top 10 things. If you don't sleep well, and by the way, at at our age in this room, okay, we're supposed to get seven to nine hours who gets nine hours of sleep? I want to meet that person. Anyway, we're supposed to get, well, that's great. That's awesome. We're supposed to get, that, that husband's in real trouble for the rest of the day after that. All right. So if you don't sleep well, sleeplessness, by the way, sleeplessness causes a hundred thousand accidents in this country every year. Uh, 15,000 people die because of a result of not getting enough sleep in car accidents been traced back to that. So if you don't sleep well, it ages your skin, makes you gain weight, it impairs your judgment, causes accidents, kills sex drive. Can we say that in church? (laughs) Kills sex drive. Increases risk of death, leads to serious health problems, causes depression, dumbs you down. We don't need any more help with that, do we? We know the help we can get, and it makes you forgetful. I forget where I am. No, No, just kidding. Anyway, the point is, the point is, lack of sleep affects and impairs every part of our lives. And so Jesus has something to say about that today. So he starts off today with a word of condemnation. And if you're not in church regularly, and this is like you're new to church, you're going, well, that's what he always does. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But he does today, okay? Rarely does Jesus do that, but he does today. There's a word of condemnation. Then there is a word of revelation. He's going to reveal to us why he can say what he says. So the first two pieces today, they're painful. And then the third one is, it's an invitation. And that's the good stuff. So hang with me to the good stuff, and we'll get there, okay? So Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, he says the woes again. Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed. Now, Jesus went around to these towns... And he began raising the dead, healing the sick, feeding people, and they were all a means to an end. They were all trying to reveal who he was, but they didn't repent. And we're going to, I want you to circle that word repent in your mind because we're going to come back to it several times today. So he began to denounce these towns because there were miracles performed, but the people said, nah, that wasn't of God. God didn't really do that. And so Jesus was very upset. So here's the first principle this morning. When there is a revelation, there is an expectation. With every revelation that God has given unto you, there is always an expectation. So the next verse talks about the very towns themselves. Look at the next verse. Chorazin, Bethsaida, if these miracles had been performed in you, Tyre and Sidon would still be here. Now, all these were like fishing villages, So I want you to imagine Safety Harbor, double the size of Safety Harbor, and then put inside of twice Safety Harbor, put inside of that Palm Harbor, Seminole, Largo, Oldsmar, uh, Newport Ritchie, put in about those bergs. And that's what you have going on here. All fishing villages. I've been to many of these towns. Chorazin, there's, a, there's an ancient synagogue there. Capernaum, there's one of Peter's houses there. And so basically Jesus is going around to all these communities and they love it that he's healing them. They love it that Uncle Joe can walk now. They love it that Aunt Ethel now can hear because she was really, really deaf. So they love this. They love the feeding miracles. Jesus went around feeding everyone. They loved all that. But nah, we're going to stick with Moses. Nah, we're going to stick with the Old Testament sacrificial system. We're not not coming over to believe that you are the long-awaited Messiah. And so if you guys would have repented like this, he said long ago, in sackcloth and ashes, I'm telling you, great things would have taken place. Look at the next slide. Here's what repentance is. Repentance is changing your mind... Which influences your behavior. Now, I want to camp out on this. So, leave this screen, leave leave us up there, Chris, for a few minutes. Okay. So, somehow the word repent has become a church word. It's not a church word. You can repent on about anything, you can change your mind, you can repent on political candidates, you can repent on investment strategies. I used to do stocks, now I do bonds. You, you can repent on, on a philosophy of cars. We lease cars now, and we used to buy new cars. Repentance is just me. I'm going to change my mind. I don't know how this got to be such a negative term. It's not a negative term. It's an incredibly refreshing term. And Jesus says when you learn to repent and repent and repent and repent and repent, your soul will be refreshed. I guess, you know, we see the guy at the Bucks game with the sandwich sign that says, you know, repent, turn or burn, hell is hot. And none of us like that, right? We're all going, you know, that's, that's awful. And so I don't know if that's where we get the, the negative concept of repentance or not. But I want you to understand today, repentance is a really good word. It just simply means I'm changing my mind about something, and it, and it then should influence our behavior. And so Jesus is going around to all these different towns. And he's doing these miracles. And the miracles were a revelation. And now he has an expectation that they will follow him. Well, they love the, f- the, the food. They love the fact that everybody got healed. But nah, we're going to stick with Moses. So here's the question this morning. What miracles has God put in front of you? What, what miracles have you experienced and you've really not repented? You've really not changed your mind about God or God's will or God's ways or God's purposes or God's institutions or God's people. What, what miracles have you experienced? And yet it really didn't change you a, a, at all. I was having lunch about three weeks ago with two lawyers from our church, and it's a really good story because both of these lawyers for free are helping us with the wedding chapel and really trying to keep me out of jail with the wedding chapel, and I really appreciate that more than you realize. I'd rather, I'd rather do jail ministry free than be in jail in a jail ministry, so I'm all for this. And they were telling me a story about a family that they're working with. And there's a a couple in St. Pete that they have on a restaurant. They've been married for 16 years, and they can't have children for whatever reason. For 16 years, they've tried and not been able to conceive and get pregnant. Well, there's a young lady that knows the restaurant owners, and she gets pregnant out of wedlock, and she comes to the restaurant owners, and she says, Would you like my baby? and the restaurant owners are like yes this is awesome we love love your baby and so she said okay and then as time goes on she changes her mind and she decides to get an abortion so she goes into the first hospital and the doctor this is a hospital and a doctor that that do abortions takes her the, the baby's heartbeat and the doctor said I'm not gonna do it this is a really strong heartbeat she goes to a second institution. I'm not going to mention the names of these, but she goes to a second hospital. The second hospital turns her away. She goes to a third institution, and the third institution and the third doctor turned her away. This little baby has been born, and now the couple from St. Pete have the baby, and they named him Joseph. What a story. It's a true miracle that this kid is even alive. And yet there will be people, these two attorneys were telling me, as they tell the story, who say, no, that really wasn't a miracle. And these, these are two attorneys. And when attorneys think it's a miracle, Jesus may come at any moment. I mean, I mean, this, this could happen. And so they're both saying, you know, they got some friends that are going, no, nah, it was just fate or it, it was just luck. What, what things have taken place in your life that you've just walked away from A real miracle. Where has he helped you or assisted you? Danita and I, this past week, had two little redheads. One was seven, one was five, for a whole week. And um, Scott and Rebecca are friends of ours from Memphis, from the Memphis church. They got married late. I think Scott's about 50, Rebecca's about 45, and they've got these two children. And so um, seven-year-old, five-year-old, and we realized after our busy week and trying to take care of two kids, we're not 35 anymore. This is work. But anyway, it was great. And, and so, um, but the story is Rebecca was, is an internal medicine physician, and when Rebecca went through medical school, she was not a Christian. Rebecca was, you know, she believed in a superior higher being, but she was not, not a believer. It was when Rebecca began to study the kidney. She said, when I began in med school studying the kidney, and I realized that for that kidney to function, she said, there's no way that there couldn't be a higher power. And so, again, that was her epiphany. That was her miracle. It changed her whole life. And at age 29 then, she became a Christian, and we baptized her at our church in Memphis, and she just started going from small group to small group with us. What's God revealed to you? What what are those really large things and those really small things that God has continued to reveal to you? And, and you know that you know that you know that you're not that good and you weren't the right place at the right time. In fact, you were at the wrong place at the right time. And yet God, God saved you or God spared you or God revealed to you. What are the miracles that have taken place in your life? All these things happened. Jesus was walking around all these cities and towns and bergs and yet the people went, nah, I don't, I don't think so. You've had those miracles. I told you a couple weeks ago that my prayer partner and I were in New York City on 9-11, and our goal that morning, that Tuesday morning, was to ride the elevators clear to the top just to tell everybody we'd, we'd done it. It's on our bucket list. God, God, God saved me from that. Ethan, the tall boy with long hair up here, that his mother's not real happy about the long hair, but anyway, maybe she'll, maybe she'll repent of that. But anyway, <laughs> the, tall, the tall boy up here, he... Um, When he was born, I'll never forget the day that Ethan was born. Um, The nurse called me over there and she said, look at this. And Ethan's umbilical cord was tied in a knot. And she said, he's got an angel watching over, over him. I was about 16 years old and Steve Rupenthal and I took off in his truck, put two canoes in the back, went to a river that my parents told us never to go to. And we got in those canoes, and the canoes tipped over. And I don't know how this happened, but I got sucked to the bottom of that river, and the suction was so strong. I remember it felt like I was down there for like three minutes, but it was probably like 20 or 25 seconds. But I remember thinking, I'm at the bottom of this river thinking, I'm going to drown, and my parents don't even know where I am, and they're going to be really mad because they told me not to go here, and I hope they're not podcasting this sermon. Kind of like Jeb Bush revealing to his parents he smoked pot 40 years ago during the debate. I thought that was hilarious, you know. That's not the place to tell Barbara you smoked pot, was it? Anyway, you've had those miracles. You've had those experiences. And repentance is a, is a good thing. So then we go from the word of condemnation to the word of revelation and now he's going to don't get lost in these next three verses but they're a little confusing but he's revealing why he has the authority to change everything here's what he says in Matthew chapter eleven, twenty-five. 25 at that time Jesus said I praise you father lord of heaven and earth because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and you revealed them to the little children yes father for this is what you were pleased to do all things have been committed to me by my father No one knows the Son except the Father. In other words, he's going to tell everybody, I'm God, and the Father and I are one here. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal them. So this is now a word of condemnation, a word of revelation. Now here's the good part. Here's the part you're going to like. This is now called the word of invitation. So here's verse 28. He says this. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and I am humble in heart and you will find, there it is, there it is, rest. You will find what? Rest, rest for your souls. Look at verse 20, 30 then. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to go back to verse 29 for just a minute and here's what Jesus is talking about, about the yoke, Take the yoke upon me and learn from me. You see, there was a religious system there that most of us in this room cannot get our hands around. We, we can't grasp this. But in that religious system, there was so much weight on trying to be good. There was so much weight on trying to do what was right. There were about 613 commandments just from the law of Moses, okay? And then the scribes said, that's not enough laws, And we add about 10,000 of the oral laws. And by the way, Jesus never broke the written law of Moses. But he looked for opportunities to break the oral law because it wasn't of God. And so now you you not only have all these Old Testament laws, but now you've got all the oral law and all these other laws just, just weighing you down. And no matter how hard you try to be good and be right and be righteous with God, the weight of all this is just nobody could could do it nobody could do it that's what's wrong with religion today that's what's wrong with some churches and some groups today trying to put all these man made rules and regulations all over you and jesus is saying take take my system i got a better way to the father i got a better way to help you. i got a much better way to give you peace and to give you freedom. Take my yoke and, and, and come, follow, come, come follow me and learn from me because I'm gentle and I'm humble. And if you do this, you're going to find rest for your souls. Now, I want to make a case today that you and I can be and should be repenting every single day. And I want to I surprise you with this, maybe, because repentance is a, an endearing term that brings refreshment. It's not a guilt term, it's not a weigh you down, freak you out term. It's a term that brings you refreshment. And so, what he's trying to say here is, is that really repentance leads to refreshment. This is what Jesus is trying to get us to go on the next slide, if you would. Repentance leads us to refreshment. So let me explain this. Many of you, who are Christ, all of you who are Christians in this room, you repented when you gave your life to Christ. You changed your mind about, I'm going to live for the world, now I'm going to live for Jesus. You changed your mind about, I'm going to live this way, and now I'm going I'm to pledge allegiance to Jesus. And so when you became a Christian eight seconds ago, eight days ago, eight years ago, 18 years ago, that was a time when you repented. I wonder if you've repented since then. And this is not a negative term. This is not like a downer. This is actually to bring refreshment to your soul. And so repentance is, I'm going to change my mind about God's Word. I'm going to change my mind about God's principles. I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to learn. And when there's a new truth, I, I change my mind, and that changes my behavior. When there's a new thought that comes in from the Scriptures, you know, you've read a Scripture verse 50 times. And that 51st time, you get something else out of it, and you go, my gosh, I've read that thing 50 times. And so all of a sudden, you now understand what, what Paul or Timothy or Peter are trying to teach you. There, there's a, a repentance. You change your mind. So let me, let me dig down a little bit deeper. When you become a Christian, what gets saved is your spirit. Your spirit gets saved. And when you become a Christian... Your spirit gets good and saved. It can't get any more saved. It won't lose its salvation. Your spirit is as white as it could ever be. It can't get any whiter. Your spirit is saved. The struggle then comes with your soul. Jesus is promising rest for your soul. The struggle is the soul. The soul's, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Think of a bicycle. You got two wheels on a bicycle, and the front wheel is straight, but the back wheel is out of alignment. And when that back wheel is out of alignment, you are just kind of going down the road, kind of, I call it cattywampus. I'm not sure that's a technical theological term, but I like that term. You're off balance, aren't you? And, And so the goal is always to line up your mind, your will, and your emotions with your spirit. Jesus is offering the opportunity for alignment. He's offering the opportunity for you to be refreshed and refreshed and refreshed. You say, well, how does that happen? I don't know if you know what this is or not, but this is called a camel pack. And it's really cool. You fill it full of water. And so you put it on your back and you're snow skiing or you're paddle boarding or you're whatever. doing something. You're hiking and you just keep drinking from it. It's filled with water and it's constant refreshment. And so you don't have to get off the paddleboard because if you're on a paddleboard and you lose your balance trying to, you know, get to get a bottle of water or something, that's pretty hard to do. But this just straps on you and you constantly drink from this. That's what he's offering you. He is that source of refreshment that is offering to change your life. And so, well, well Kurt, well, why, why would I need to repent? Well, we tend to think about repentance as a very negative term, but I want to think about it as a positive term. Are you still with me? Yes. All right, give, give me another minute. I want to explain something. one more thing. We're going to go a little bit deeper. If you're still with me, if not, if somebody's asleep and they're resting, let them sleep, okay? We're talking about just let them, let them sleep. I'm good with that. All right. So you get saved. You give your life to Christ, and your spirit gets saved. And then you think about repentance usually, from a sinful area, and not so much from a safe area. Now get this, because repentance is both. You've got two alleys over here with your life. You get saved, and you're either going to live in the, in the, in the alley or the lane of sin, I'm still going to sin, or I'm going to live in the, the lane over here of safety. So when we think of repentance, we usually think about the lane of sin. Gosh, I got anger. I got, I got alcohol issues. I got, I got control issues. I got, I got bitterness issues. I can't forgive him. I can't forgive her. And so usually we think about repentance over here in this lane. And that's true. Absolutely true. Because the Holy Spirit, once you're saved, will bring convic- conviction when you're over here in the sin lane. What if, what if you started repenting over here in the safe lane? What if God begins to change your mind over here where it's a lot less painful over here than it is over here? This is painful. There's no rest in your soul over here. This is, again, you're, now your soul's kind of cattywampus. What if over here, in the safe lane, God begins to reveal truth to you? You come to church, you learn a truth. You read your scriptures, you learn a truth. You're in a Bible study, women's Bible study, men's Bible study, you, you learn the truth. You're at home praying, you're at home reading the scriptures, and all of a sudden you, you have a truth, so you're changing your mind. And that change of mind over here begins to change your behavior way before this over here. This over here is not fun, maybe for a season, but it's not fun long-term, is it? Because as a believer, you're all churned up, right? But over here in the safe zone, let me give you some examples. So you're reading the scriptures, and you're reading a scripture that says, encourage one another. And so all of a sudden you go, you know, the Bible talks about how I should encourage one another. I'm not very encouraging at work. I'm not very encouraged. In fact, I'm pretty negative. I'm not very encouraging at home. And so you read that scripture and you go, what? Okay, God, you know, God, I I really, and so you you drink from God, I really would like to be more encouraging. So God reveals to you how to write an email or how to write a note or how to say something to somebody in your office that's encouraging. Or or maybe over here you realize, you know, I'm I'm not very generous. You know, she's generous and he's generous, and boy, that couple seems to be so generous. But but honestly, I'm just not very generous. And so over here, God begins to reveal generosity to you. And then there's peace in your soul. And so because you've been generous. Or, or over here, you go, you know what? I, um, I have an opportunity to, to practice justice. In my work environment, I am in a position to be, to be just towards somebody. It's not, it's not, I changed my mind over here. It's not getting over here. I'm over here where I can do good. Or, or you're in a position of being merciful. I'm not very merciful. And the Spirit reveals to you that you're not very merciful. And all of a sudden, over here, and when you're merciful and God gives you the strength to be merciful, there is so much peace in your soul. I'm in a position to forgive them. I'm in a position to forgive her, to forgive him. And all of a sudden, there's, there's just this, this peace, peace, peace that comes in your soul. From the scriptures, my conclusion is the Spirit of God is going to lead you to repent continuously. I don't really want to do it over here, right? This is painful. This is churning of my soul. But this over here, this is a journey. It's like the Blues Brothers. This is a mission for God. This is fun over here. This is exciting. And so here's the question this morning. Where does God continue to reveal truth to you? Where does he continue to... Now, if you're over here today and, and you're, you're all, you know, kind of messed up and you're off the deep end sinning, you need to repent. The Bible says confess your sins. But, but wouldn't it be more fun to be over here and just continue to learn and worship and grow and change and love and give and serve and be and do all the things. Now, this is the cool part too. He's not going to overwhelm you. He's not, he's not going to weight you down because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. So he says, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. And then verse 29 again is this great verse. He says, take my yoke upon you and, and just learn from me. Just learn from me because I'm gentle and I'm humble. And you come and you learn from me you will have a life where there's rest and there's rest in your soul. So I want to pray right now for us and I want us to have a time of repentance. I want to practice this. And so the band's going to come and sing after I pray and I'm just going to ask you to stay seated. Just stay seated and rest. Just rest in your soul. But I want to lead us through both of these areas, through both of these alleys of repentance. And there's the sinful alley and there's the safe alley, and both of these will lead you toward rest, toward rest inside your soul, okay? So just sit back, relax, let me pray for you and with you, and then as the band sings, stay seated, and that's your time of introspection. Our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, what a great story and great passage this is. And Jesus, you've you've done so many miracles in my life and in my family's life. I just, gosh, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss what you're doing. But I want to pray, first of all, over here in in the track where maybe there is anger, maybe there is abuse of alcohol, maybe there is bitterness, maybe there is pride and haughtiness, maybe there is greed, lust. I want to, first of all, come over here in this track. And say to you, as, as we were led in communion earlier, we've been set free. So align our soul with our spirits. Those that are saved in this room, align us with your amazing spirit. and the Holy Spirit of God, we confess our sins before you. And you say you're faithful and just, and you will forgive us of all sins. I also want to come over here, though, God, I want to pray in the safe zone, that in this safety net over here, that you will just reveal truth, reveal light, reveal your scriptures, reveal your perfect will. I love the verse out of Romans chapter 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds renew our minds, and may we repent today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and may we see repentance not as a negative thing, God, but as a growth step, a growth strategy. Now, as my brothers and sisters just sit here peacefully, speak to their minds. Speak to them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.